Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a new episode of Double Feature Versus. I am Anthony. I am Brad. Yeah, that guy over there, he's, uh, you know, he's Brad. And uh, we are doing part two of uh, Oscar talk today. So we're doing pretty much the rest of the films that we didn't do in the last episode. Giving our take on them, our rating on them. Uh, gonna touch base on some other episodes, some other films that we talked about in past episodes. Dune, Licorice Pizza, uh, Don't Look Up. And pretty much give our predictions on what's going to win what as we keep going throughout this list. And yeah, I mean, Oscars is going right now as we're recording. So probably next episode, we're kind of just going to talk about what we won in fantasy Oscar, what we didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about this? This uh, the Oscars this year, man? Do you how do you feel? So this one has some really good contenders in it, um, but some that personally don't make sense to me. You know, they wouldn't have been things that I would have picked. Uh, like best director, I feel like is missing uh, Lin Manuel for best director for Tick Tick Boom. At least a nomination. It was a very good debut. It was an amazing debut for him. Yeah, that was very good. So it's the fact that that actually has some nominations in here elsewhere, but not in best director. Kind of seems a little odd. I, I look at it like this. Here's like there's um surprise unique choices there's oscar bait choices like the surprise unique choices are i say drive my car dune i'm talking about for best picture mm-hmm. um licorice pizza even though that's not really a surprise because the oscars love paul thomas anderson with good reason um then there's bait west side story of course uh nightmare alley i don't think it's intended to be oscar bait but because it's a period piece they go oh yeah period pieces we love those don't look up. You can just look at the cast and just with all the with all the star power in there. You can just see, oh yeah, that's that's that that's 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 like almost a shoe in for right. a contender, regardless if it's a good movie or not. Uh, power of the dog, western. Oscars do love westerns, you know. But when you frame them up in like um, bait, unique or not meant to be bait, but turned out to be bait. These aren't bad choices. Right. This overall isn't a bad Oscar season. Uh, we've seen some pretty bad Oscar seasons in the past. This one is, yeah. it's on the better side of the Oscars, I think. Because uh, we've gone through the entire list of the best pictures. Uh, we're about to talk about the last three today, basically. And it, they're all, you know... They all have the reason for being in the best picture category. Yeah. All right, man. So uh, usually we don't do this, but uh, let's go ahead and hit him off with a little bit of chronological uh, chronological order. What we got up first? Uh, I believe that would be the power of the dog. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, you want to take the reins on giving a quick synopsis of this? I can do this one. So, taking place in 1925, it follows the brothers, uh, Phil and George Burbank. Uh, Phil played by Benedict Cumberbatch, and George plays by uh, Jesse Plemons uh, from Breaking Bad fame. As Mm -hmm. they basically go through uh, ranch life uh, with 
George basically taking the business side of everything, Phil taking kind of the more rodeo side with, you know, taking care of the cattle and the people and everything like that. Uh, they are being the staff of a uh, Rose or the Gordon farm uh, where right. Rose Gordon is kind of upkeeping everything uh, played by Kirsten Dunst and she has a son named Peter played by Cody Smith McGee McPhee McPhee yes yeah, McPhee McPhee uh, who is kind of this uh, I guess more uh, feminine kind of you know person uh, being raised just by a single mother so yeah, he, he gets feminine. a little bit yeah he, he's feminine he's not really like 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 the old tough Western yeah, guys he's not age. like a wrote he's not made for the farm life basically he's not he's not he's a unique kid but uh, Phil takes him under his wing and kind of tries to form him into something that you know would be able to take over the farm and everything like that and that's the general synopsis of the film is basically mostly the relationship between these characters. So you have the relationship between Rose and George that's going on. Then you have the relationship between Rose and her son, uh, Peter. Then you have the relationship between Phil and Peter and then the relationship between the brothers, Phil and George. I'll say this, man, um, and, I, and I, I, I like Jane Campion um, as a director. Uh, this movie grows on you as you watch it. Yeah. But you, you have to pay attention to it. Like, this is a film like um, if you give it its time, it will reward you as you get towards the end. Like, I kind of compare this to Drive My Car, whereas it can be very slow in some moments. But it's like, if, but if you give the film your attention and you're paying attention to what's going on, you start to, the film... It it uh it, it unwinds this complex dramatic web, you know, like like with precision. Like this this film was made with precision. Oh like, yeah. I like I like how Jane Campion takes her time with each of these characters. You know, um, we come across Phil, you know, he's an a-hole. You know, he he he's not a person, he's not a people person. Um, he's very uh anti-social. Um, and he's so he's so man-like to the point that he's pretty much an, anti- an antithesis to uh peter uh he, um you know because he looks at him as like unman like but like as the film goes on you start to see that you know really he is kind of like i don't want to say the more feminine one but sexuality in the way he looks on the surface is way more comp- complex inside of him as to like his past with the um uh, I, I guess a former rancher he used to hang out with. Yeah, it was uh, the person that taught uh, both him and George how to be kind of a farmhand. Right, and then you learn. Uh, spoilers ahead, folks. This is double features. This is how we do. But you learn that he might have had like an inappropriate relationship with this guy, where he might have had like a crush on him, but the guy may have like you know wrongfully groomed him as a kid. You know, so like there, 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 there's a past there that kind of makes him the way he is today is why he's so stern and tries so hard to be so masculine because he's, he's holding guilt. He has from his past mm. um, or like complicated feelings. He has from his past. Now I like, um, I, I, I really love the relationship between Rose and George. I think it's cute because, um, you know, of course, Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons are married in real life. So they have great chemistry. Right. 
Um, but I, I like how the film shows Rose when George is away and she's stuck with Phil and she doesn't like Phil's influence on Peter. Uh, you know, she, she starts to become a little worried. She starts to become kind of cagey and becomes a little bit of a lush. Yeah, know? she inhibits like a drinking problem because she doesn't like what's happening to her son. She wants to basically shelter her son because it's all she has left. And she's basically seeing him being put into these dangerous situations, which Phil is, yeah, he's putting, you know, Peter in these, di- you know, situations that are a little bit uh, risky for him. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's to try and mold him into, you know, a tougher person. So it's teaching him all these skills that he's going to need in order to be able to provide on the farm and basically molding him the same way he was molded himself. The film has some great the film has great tension below the surface. Like it 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 stirs the tension well as we kind of like take our way towards the climax of the film. And I gotta be honest with you, man, I didn't understand what happened at first. Like I don't know if I didn't pay attention to the to the to the one scene where um my man was looking at the rope and then he saw the the dead horse. But uh when I got to the end, I was like, oh, he died. All right. And then I, I noticed. In oh, the you end, didn't put the pieces together that uh, I did. But go ahead. What? Well, it, the so the reason that he died was that he had worked with uh, tainted rope from a right, right, uh, diseased yeah. animal that was actually like carved uh, or the hide was carved by uh, Peter, who found just a dead animal and everything like that. And he was trying to be like Peter, so or he was trying to be like Phil. So he, you know, took the hide and everything like that. But uh, Phil had this kind of way of doing everything where he would never work with animals that were sick or animals right. that had any kind of disease or anything like that because he would do everything with his bare hands. Uh, he would never kind of wear gloves, you know. He was basically you know the epitome of like uh the rodeo kind of manliness that you would expect from that kind of person yeah for sure like and um again like you have to pay attention to this film you know so like uh when i saw the ending and i saw you know he saw uh george and and rose coming home and they're embracing he turns away and he's smiling i'm like okay there's something about that final scene there but then when I kind of when I kind of like we when I rewound the film, I said, oh, that's what happened. And then when you even look at the title of the movie, Power of the Dog, you know, you look at the Bible verse, deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Obviously, Phil is the dog. He mm-hmm. wants to deliver his mother and her sanity and her soberness away from Phil's like like um, in, intimidating stance and just so you know, antisocial and just like dominating, uh, unwelcome spirit. Like there's layers to this film, man. And I, oh, I yeah. really, I like how Jane Campion just, just weighs them all together. I want to make sure it's not champion. It's Campion. Okay. I like how she weighs everything all together in, in such a like, like, like fluent way. Um, let me talk about the nominations here, bro. Now, Cody Smith McPhee for best supporting actor. I understand. He did a great job as Peter. Jesse Plymouth. Yeah. Jesse Plymouth's I, I I usually like Jesse. I liked him in this, but do you think he was supporting worthy? Uh for this one, I wouldn't put him as like the nomination for this movie. Yeah. Like I think Cody Smith uh Smith McPhee 
mm-hmm. uh, is a better nomination for this movie. For sure. Uh, I can see why Benedict Cumberbatch was nominated for Best Actor because he knocks yeah. this one out of the park. Uh, but that's exactly, you know, it's a bad thing because he's such a good actor that, you know, this is a great performance, but I wouldn't even put it in his, like, top performance list, even though this was an amazing performance by him. Outside of Doctor Strange and uh, the the Showtime limited series Philip Marlowe, I haven't seen enough uh, Benedict starring vehicles to de- to determine that. To be honest, okay, uh, if it's up there, but I did love him in this movie. He played a great complex role. Kirsten Dunst was amazing. Jesse Plemons was good in this movie, but when I when you say Oscar worthy, I'm like, yeah, this isn't creepy, Todd. Yeah, you know there wasn't enough too- of him in this movie really because he does have some good scenes but he doesn't like knock anything out of the park in those scenes he's good in those scenes you know he takes the character and he does very well with it but at the same time he doesn't have like that scene where it's like oh that's that's the scene i remember from the movie right like this this wasn't like him in fargo season two if you saw that season also had kirsten dunce too but like yeah, man. Um, I really like this, man. This is a very complex movie. I will put this on the same level as Drive My Car. Is that like if you're willing to give it its time and like, you know, uh, the film will reward you. It's not for everybody, though. Like this isn't your usual kind of Western. Yeah, there's it's, not really too much action in this movie. Uh, there's a couple all. like scenes where stuff is going on, but it's mostly about the relationships of these characters and what's going on with that. So you get to see the relationships that Phil has with each of the characters. You get to have the relationships that George has with all the characters. You get to see you know, how Rose reacts to all the characters and how these different situations are put in. So this isn't like a here's the part of the story where this happens and the part of the story where this happens. It's basically here's the relationship between these characters, these characters, you know, as they're working on this farm. It's a character drama. It's a well done character drama. Uh, Yeah. I would honestly give this, uh, I gotta say after watching it and taking it all in, I say I'm leaning towards a 4.5. This one's a four for me. Yeah. Okay. It's a very strong four. Uh, I don't think it really pushes to a 4.5 to me, but I definitely can give this a four out of five without any hesitation. I don't mind uh, films challenging me. I don't always search out for those films because sometimes you just want to watch a film and just kind of like let loose, you know, not not have to think so hard. But I like that this film challenged me. I like that uh, it, it demanded my attention and it rewards you. Yes. Now, yeah, because if you stop paying attention during any of this, you're going to get lost pretty quickly with some of the other subplots that are going on. Oh, dude, like I told you, the final twist kind of like threw me for a loop. Like, wait, wait, what what happened? Yeah. <laughs> and then I had to rewind like, oh, OK, that's the scene where he 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 poisoned the hide. I get it now. Um, now, let me ask you two things. Now, best actor, you and I talked a little bit about this before we started recording. Even though Benedict is great in this, I don't know if he... If they choose him, like I told you, I think it's the safe choice. It I, it would be a very safe choice, but at the same time, I'd be a little disappointed in that choice. Like, I wouldn't be mad at it. He did great in this movie, but I would mm-hmm. be disappointed because at the same time, we have Will Smith from King Richards. We have Andrew Garfield from Tick, Tick, Boom. We have some other candidates that I would put above Benedict in this one. 
Now, looking at supporting actors, now you got Syrian Hines from Belfast. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, you got Troy Kultzer from Coda. You got Jesse from Power of the Dog. I love you, Jesse, but I'm, I'm counting you out. You got J.K. Simmons from Being a Ricardos. I haven't watched that yet, but I do like J.K. Um, and you got Cody from Power of the Dog. Who you do you think is between Cody and Troy, or do you think Troy has just the lead because everyone loved Coda? I I think Troy has the lead on this. I I love Cody. He did a great job in this movie, but it, Troy absolutely knocked Coda out of the park, and he was pretty good in it. He's he was good. amazing in it. I don't know if you've actually seen any of the interviews that he's done since uh, Coda got nominated. Nah. Uh, but it was him and uh, the actor that played the uh, brother in that movie. Apparently, um, well, to start off, they're both actually deaf in you know real life and everything. So them playing right, right. deaf actors and everything, that's why they were so good at that role. Is because they are actually deaf. So apparently they got an Airbnb together at some point uh, after filming. And it was in like this uh, boatyard kind of area. And they were up late. And they had accidentally set off like a blowhorn kind of alarm in their Airbnb. And they didn't didn't know it. it. They didn't didn't know it. They didn't know until the police showed up. And, you know, got into the house and everything like that. And we're like, yeah, it's been going off for several hours. We're getting multiple complaints from the neighbors. They tried to come over here to tell you guys, but you guys weren't answering the door or anything. Like, like we, well, we, we have no complaints. We can't. Didn't yeah, yeah, they had <laughs> no idea. Uh, so That's funny. It, that's like one of those funny things that uh, I saw in like one of their interviews that they were talking about. All right. All right, so uh, what's next, man? So next up would be the West Side Story. All right, I'll take this over. So um, if you don't know much about the history of film, you know, from the 1950s uh, up until now, uh, West Side Story is based off a classic musical that was um, adapted into a... uh, it's from a classic musical of the 1950s that was adapted into a very famous film adaptation in 1961, same name, West Side Story. And pretty much to just keep it simple, it's really like a, a take on Romeo and Juliet. So you have like two sec, you, you got like two neighborhoods um, and you have kind of like a, uh, I don't want to say a gentrification thing. Go- well, no, there is a gentrification thing going on. So like there's mm. two types of people. There's um There's the white Irish um, and then there are the um, there's the Latino community, the Puerto is, Rican community. I'm sorry. My apologies. The Puerto Rican yep. community that is uh, moving in uh, to the neighborhood pretty much. And, you know, there's racial tension on both sides. There's a uh, the, the the white uh, gang that's called the Jets versus um, the uh, the Puerto Rican gang called the Sharks, the Puerto Rican Sharks. Um, and they 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 fight each other. There's tension. And uh, it's more it's a turf war. Mm -hmm. Now, in between this, you got two, uh, I guess you would call them star crossed lovers. Uh, You got Ainsel Elgort's character, uh, Tony, and you got Rachel Zegler's character, Maria. So Tony and Maria. And so they uh, they fall in love. They get like one of those uh, uh, love at first sight moments at the uh, at the at the dance. I don't want to say it's a school dance, but it was like a a dance for the youth. 
Yeah, but. it was a youth dance to try and kind of uh, bring people together because they, the school or somebody kind of knew that there was kind of this clash between the two kind of parts of the uh, Manhattan area and was trying to like bring it together as like a social experiment, they were saying. And yeah. that's where uh, Ansel Elgort's character was not supposed to originally be there, but he decided to show up and then that's when kind of everything goes crazy yeah for sure all right so steven spielberg is directing this he's paying homage to the uh, very famous very influential 1961 film um i gotta say man now you know me i am not a musical dude you, you? notice about me i yes. thought you were like the biggest musical fan that ever existed oh come on man i came out my my mama's stomach singing show tunes yeah no <laughs> no man Listen, there, there are a handful of stuff I like, you know, like, of course, Encanto, but that's a cartoon. Uh, I like Hamilton. I really like Hamilton. I like the South Park movie, but I'm, I'm not really a musical dude. I got to say, man, for Steven Spielberg, the way he um, upgraded this film for present day, uh, this th- the music wasn't bad, man. The mu- I, His fast paced directing had me intrigued. Like, this is why mm. Spielberg is one of the best. He had me intrigued from like like the first scene to the last scene. Now. That doesn't mean this film isn't without its generic problems, but uh, this wasn't a bad musical to me, man. I I stayed engaged throughout the uh, the two hours and a half. Yeah, I feel like this was a very safe played musical because uh, I safe. Uh, well, West Side Story is already a musical that most people already know a lot of the songs of. Uh, they weren't really changed much from my memory. I It's been a long time since I've seen the original movie back when I was like in middle school or Confession. around there. I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the original. Okay. I remember seeing it I because it was like day. a modern day Romeo and Juliet uh, yeah. back when it came out because Romeo and Juliet is much older than the West Side Story uh, movie and everything like that. So it was made to be like an updated version of Romeo and Juliet. Then we have now the updated version of the West Side Story, aptly still named the West Side Story here, where it kind of takes a little bit more of a not really modern tone because it still takes place in the 1950s, but it is kind of a more modern adaptation than what we had in the 1960s version. Yeah, man, I got to say... You tell you you're telling me that we don't talk about Bruno got stuck in your head. Up until seeing this film, I just kept hearing tonight over and over in my head. And I, it took me a while to get that out of my head. Like that the beginning of that song got stuck in my head for a long time. But um yeah, man, I didn't I like this, man. I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool for what it was. I know you call it safe, but I felt like it, it Steven Spielberg is for the moviegoers, and I feel mm. like this was a very good moviegoer film. I ain't going to call it best picture, but I'd say it was a very nice musical. It made me, for someone that doesn't like musicals, I, I nodded my head and I was like, you know, it's pretty, this is fun. You See, know? I'm not too big on musicals, and this one, it just got too musically for me where I guess it's because I kind of already remembered the story of West Side Story. So there wasn't too much changed about it. It was basically just still beat for beat for what I remember of that old movie. And so it didn't captivate me in that way. I was actually more captivated with like a lot of the uh, performance and kind of the uh, choreography and everything that they did. Let me let me tell you something, man. Uh, I feel pretty. 
I just remember that song from Anger Management. I didn't know it came from West Side Story. <laughs> when they started going, I feel pretty. I was so pretty. I was like, oh, that came yeah. from this. That, that's a West Side Story uh, music number. Um, all right, man. Uh, let's get to the mean. But oh, no, no. I got one more good thing to say. Uh, Rita Moreno, man. I love how this film pays homage to her and puts her in, in the supporting role of... Um, uh, what was her character in this one? Because I know she played Anita in the original one. Um, Valentina. Yeah, I liked how this film paid uh, paid homage to her, man. She was a uh, she was a great uh, supporting supporting role in this. Yeah. But uh, just just off off top, you don't sleep with the man that killed your brother. <laughs> if 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 your mom and daddy didn't teach you anything else, you don't sleep with the man that killed your brother. Right. Yeah, there's come on, man. There's a lot of you know. This is supposed to be that uh, love, you know, that wasn't meant to be, but love at first sight that wasn't meant to be. It's that kind of storyline that you know, and it's so played out at this point. Like even seeing this today is kind of like okay, I this is done so many times, and I've seen other movies do it better. Uh, I still think that Romeo and Juliet is still like the perfect example of it, even though that's like such a dated kind of story at this point. I still right. think it does it better than the West Side Story, which was supposed to be a more modern version of Romeo and Juliet. So it, this movie doesn't have the same like connection to me. That in Ro- go, go on. ahead. No, in Romeo and Juliet, Romeo kills Ty Balt, right? Who is Juliet's cousin? Not yeah, her brother. Tybalt. All right, well, if it's the cousin, it's fair game. You know, who cares yeah. about the cousin? Right. But the brother, I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. Uh, like, what, what are we doing here? Yeah, it's uh, definitely, a, I, I don't want to say it's a stupider kind of telling of the story, but it it's almost a stupider telling of the story. Yeah, I, I, I get the conflict of it all, but I'm like, that could have been updated. Does that happen in the original one? Uh, I think there was something about him killing a family member, but I don't remember if it was a brother or not. Okay. Well, if, if that's the updated version, then that, that was a, that, that, that was a, uh, that was a swing and a miss. That was a swing and a miss for real. That was a swing and didn't even swing all the way. Uh, but, um, yeah, man, there's that. And, uh, I like the climax. I think the climax was cool. It's, there's just a little bit too much. Uh, I don't know. I think the climax is okay. Like I, I like how when um, Ariana DeBose character, who's she playing again? I keep forgetting her character's name. Uh, I, I like when it, when Anita comes to the Jets, uh, the that main hangout place, and like there's like that very intense scene where you they, they kind of like like try to sexually assault her and throw slurs at her and stuff. Like I like how she like 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 stands up to them. And of course, she makes the you know emotional move to say, "Oh, uh, 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 homeboy killed Maria, and now he's uh, he he's coming uh to uh, handle no no Chino." She said Chino killed he killed Maria. That didn't happen, but she mm-hmm. said that in order to get Tony riled up to as payback for them trying to like cross that line with her. Um, and so Igor, uh. I like this one moment in, in the film where Valentina comes downstairs and says, hey, uh, Mar- Maria's dead. 
And I like how this like look comes over his face. Like he's really like, like shaken mm-hmm. that, that, that his love of his life got killed. I thought that was a good emotional moment. But uh, when he comes outside and he gets shot, yeah, now we're back to the regular musical and everyone starts singing again as they're carrying his dead body. And, yeah. You know, yeah, that's ends. that's one thing that I like. It, it's hard for me to enjoy musicals when it's going from like, oh, now our buddy died. Well, we got to sing about it now, you know, or, you know, my mom found out that I'm actually with the person that, you know, killed my brother. Oh, well, we better sing about it now. And I You're just, not- I, I can't get behind it. it. Just, it takes me out of the movie. Cause all I can imagine is that happening in real life where, you know, I have an argument with somebody and then they just start singing. I'd be like, no, no, you don't, don't you dare. <laughs> that actually would be pretty funny if that was in a movie. Um, yeah. So yeah. Like, and, and now we're united now, now that one of us has died. We yeah. see that now that one of each of our side has died, we see the error of our ways, and it's like, yeah, this is a musical, all right. Yeah, we, we got to tie it up with that pretty little bow to say, hey, look, it worked out in the end. Happy ending, even though somebody died. <laughs> right, for sure. Um, overall, I'm leaning towards, listen, this movie pulled off, uh, which, which isn't easy to do. It made me interested in... Um, uh, a, a musical and it doesn't this is a two hour and 30 minute movie mm-hmm. and with with all of the set pieces and everything i'm like this wasn't a bad movie man i'm like I, i'm 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 sold on this uh i give it a 3.5 uh see this was like a middle of the road to me uh choreography mm-hmm. was great i love the set it design was. i love the way that they did the camera work with it it's, it's steven spielberg knocked doing what he could with a musical out of the park in my opinion I still yeah. don't care for the musical aspect. Uh, the casting was good. Uh, I didn't have any issue with any of the cast or anything like that. I didn't think that anybody like pulled out any like masterful kind of scenes or anything, though. Like I love Ansel, but at the same time, I, I didn't see anything that I remember. Because I watched this movie just a couple days ago, and I honestly couldn't tell you any scene with him that sticks out. He was, he was he was the pretty boy role. He, he was, was the pretty boy. So, you know? but at the same time, I can't think of any like scenes that really stick out with the rest of them. I just it's a bland mesh of like songs and people dancing. That's I what like, I remember I, of this movie. Yeah, I like Ariana DeBose in this film. Uh, I understand she's loud and over the top because her character is like that, but I like what she did with the character. Mm-hmm. I felt like she understood the assignment. You right. Know? Um. That being said, uh, what, what do you give it? You get uh, straight up three. I, I this is a straight up three. There, I can. There's a lot that I can appreciate about it, but at the same time, personally, it just not for me. Uh, musically aside, I can see why people would be like, "Oh, this is great. This is like a four. This is a four point five in their eyes." For me, it's just not there. Okay, now look. You want to talk about Oscar bait? I mean, that's the, you, you can't look anywhere else but this right here, it, man. It's a musical based on an old, you know, script that was already beloved, based right. on one of the most famous, you know, stories of history, more or less, mm-hmm. and directed by Steven Spielberg. This is such Oscar bait. You know, I can already feel, like, the scripts being smacked across every judge's face. 
the moment <laughs> As this I one saw, showed up the moment i saw the trailer i'm like okay best picture nom automatically you yeah. like, automatically uh with who's behind it what it is you already know and if this wins i'm just gonna go brad let's just not do another oscar episode. i, I don't think we can do another oscar episode if this wins we know we know how this is gonna go. We just <laughs> let's just not do another Oscar episode. If this wins, man, oh come on. Now I wanna ask you about best supporting actress. So who Ariana is up against? Have you seen The Lost Daughter yet? Uh I have not. Okay. Jesse Buckley's pretty good in that. And we, we know Anjane Ellis is great in King Richard. Um you think Ariana, do you think this isn't her year? Um, honestly, I don't remember much from her performance. Like I said, this movie is just a blur of singing and dancing. And if, you know, if you basically were like, name one of the scenes with, uh, you know, Anita as a central focus, I'd basically be like, I I don't know. She, she sung in some of the movie, right? I'll go with that. Let's go with that. (laughs) The part where she sang. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, she sings good. If I had to, out of the people that were nominated, um, I would probably put, uh, um, I would say Kirsten Dunst for her performance in The Power of the Dog, out of the people that were okay. nominated. Fair enough. I got it between, even though Jesse was really good in Lost Daughter, I got it between Kirsten and Anjanae. Okay. Yeah, I got it between those two. They they were both pretty pretty dope. Uh, they all were dope. Uh, so you ready to move on to uh, the Nightmare Alley? Yes. So let, yeah, I can take ahead. care of this one. So Nightmare Alley uh, is a story that takes place. Uh, well, let's start off. It's a Guillermo del Toro movie. It's a. Sure. Uh, I don't think this one's counted as a horror. This one's a thriller. It was marketed uh, as that, but it's, it's really a psychological thriller. Yeah, it's a psychological thriller, but I did see some places that listed it as a horror. Uh, I would have never listed this as a horror movie, but thriller it definitely is. So it is a story that takes place in the 1940s following uh, Stan, played by, I'm trying to remember his name, Bradley Cooper, uh, as he is a drifter that I know. Is that a joke? Of, of all the people for me to forget, I... I'm still trying oh, you, to. You forgot for real. Oh uh, yeah, for a minute there, my brain oh, just wow. sparked off as I was trying to, you know, remember. Uh, mm-hmm. But we follow the story of Stan, played by Bradley Cooper, as he is a drifter who wanders into a carnival. While there, he learns of like the different ways that uh, these tricks and performances are held to kind of fool the people that are at the carnival, uh, taking a great interest in one of the members named Molly who does some of the performances while also learning about how people grift and find out how to cold call people for like uh, speaking to the dead, uh, making it so it seems like they can read your mind and everything like that. He takes a great interest in that and uses that to later on kind of create his own Uh, business basically tricking rich people into thinking that he can talk to the dead and that he has the ability to see into like time and space that nobody else can see into being able to guess like what's inside of a bag being able to tell somebody's future being able to you know speak to somebody that passed away 
And yeah. you, this kind of gets him in a lot of trouble. And that is basically the plot of this movie is Stan kind of going through and trying to recreate uh, the abilities that he learned from the carnival and it backfiring on him tremendously. Dude, I got to say, and I, I wrote a review about this on 8-Bit Waffles, and um, I think I had caught this psychological horror. And I don't know if I would disagree with that, because when you look at the the um, the role that Bradley Cooper plays, um, the role of uh, Stanton or Stan, it's just a perfect. I don't want to say perfect because this film does kind of have some flaws, but it's a very well told story of a man whose ambition, um, you know, clouds his uh, clouds. It, it clouds his judgment. He it, thinks it, he's, it he's bigger than he is. He's bigger than he is. He thinks he can get by like just straight up on uh, just just swindling people. And he thinks conning could take him all the way to the end, to the final uh, prize, you know, to the to the to the final sucker. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I love how he gets himself in way too deep to the point where he even loses himself in what he can, quote unquote, do or what he can, quote unquote, uh, foretell. Right. It's not like he starts believing that he actually has this power, but he starts believing that no matter what, people are always going to be able to fall for his tricks. He's always going to be able to trick people into thinking that he actually does have these powers. I'll say this. I usually love Bradley Cooper. Um, I haven't read the novel before I saw the movie. I'm not going to compare the movie to the novel, but it's like, I don't know if I was fully sold on him as Stan. Like, I, I don't know if I was sold on him as a guy that was like just getting himself deeper and deeper into corruption uh, to the point where he believes his own lie. And uh, deep down into his soul, he's really just a swindler and a con man and nothing else. I don't know if I believe that. Like, I don't know if I believe that through his performance. I felt like I'm watching Bradley Cooper right now. Yeah, he like, definitely it, felt like a drifter, but he didn't feel like, you know, he believed in what he was doing. Yeah, he didn't feel like he believed in the in the in the wrong deeds he was doing. Like when you look at the like um the main thing your boy uh William Defoe says, like, you know, is he man or a beast? Mm-hmm. I'm looking at him playing Stan. I'm like, I don't know if I get that from his performance. But um I will say uh the one that just just a lot of people knocked it out of the park. Kate Blood shit was amazing, but dude, Richard Jenkins killed it, man. He, as Ezra Grendel. Oh yes, absolutely he was amazing. Like he, 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 like when he came on screen and and a certain threatening, intimidating things he would say, you could tell his character if you messed up or messed up the con in front of him, it was going to be a problem. Yeah, he was basically put up as like the big bad as soon yeah. as he like stepped on screen, and it he just knocked it out of the park. He did like, like he I'm, was intimidating. He was. And I wasn't and I was surprised that he wasn't nominated for best supporting actor because he really did dominate every scene he was in. Um, with that being said, uh, so going down the line, as, as I look at this movie as a whole, I like the story of it. I like the morals behind it. I like the message of it. Dude, I think the final scene hits just right, dude. Yes. So the way that this movie ends, uh, to backtrack, while Stan was in the carnival and everything, he meets a uh, person, Clem, played by Willem Dafoe, who 
I, I absolutely loved his performance in this, I gotta say. But at the same yeah. time, Willem Dafoe is just amazing in everything. Somehow. I don't know how, but he's just always great. He's a chameleon, man. He is. He manages to contort into whatever, you know, role he needs to. And it also helps that he's has one of the most animated faces in all of, you know, Hollywood. Uh, but he learns from Clem how uh, he gets these people known as geeks, which are the mystery between man and beast, you know, by getting them to tweak out, uh, by telling them, hey, this is only a temporary thing and making them, uh, I can't remember what it was, like opioids or something that he constantly like gives them in order to create an addiction right. to this serum that he's giving them, like an alcohol. And... Mm-hmm. By making them reliant on it, they can't leave. And they basically get forced into playing this role where they're basically malnourished and they have to, you know, put on these shows in order to survive, which is the only time that they're actually given anything to eat, which is live chickens, in order to kind of entertain people. And they actually become real geeks. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. So they're brought on with the idea of, oh, this is a temporary thing. It'll play through and then basically forces them to turn into these kind of people and at the end of the movie we see stan kind of going to this new carnival owner and everything like that as he goes well actually we do need somebody to play the role of a geek it's only a temporary thing and it basically gives him the speech that clem told him from the opposite's perspective yeah and And stan happily takes it you know knowing exactly what his fate is going to be I don't even think it's happily, dude. I think he just realizes his fate and like he just says, wow, life just took me full circle. And he says, because the guy asked me, he says, hey, do you think this geek role, you think you could do it? I was born for it. And he starts crying yeah. and, and like laughing because he realizes he's doomed. His his soul pretty much is damned. Like he he he's he's um he's brought himself right to the place that he never thought he would be. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been at the highest of highs and now he's at the lowest of lows. And I just think that's just the, that was just the perfect ending for him. It was, it was the, the best way they could have ended this film. Uh, I gotta say like Guillermo del Toro's kind of style with the carnival and everything like pushes mm-hmm. through full force. I absolutely loved it. Um, if there was one thing that I would say that uh, disappointed me in this movie, it's that the carnival wasn't like a larger role in it because as the movie is kind of progressing at the beginning, it's like, this is amazing. I love the carnival. I loved when he was walking around and seeing the different acts and trying to find ways to improve them and everything like that. And we got to see all these people and it kind of jumps away from that when he leaves the carnival, Mm -hmm. which I, I wish we got more of the carnival because that I think was some of the most interesting and where Guillermo del Toro basically, you know, hit his stride. 100% 100% with his style of like uh imagery. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um I would also say the film wasn't really about the carnival though. It was kind of about Stan and like the uh the the um the doom of man, the doom of oh, yeah. the uh of the capitalist man in those days. Right. Uh, I'm not saying know. that outside of the carnival the movie wasn't good. I'm right, just right, saying right, like no. when it came to like Guillermo del Toro style and everything coming like perfectly in line. The carnival scenes were all there. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. 
yeah, Dato did a great job with this film for sure. Um, now, like I said, I really loved Kate Blanchett as Lilith. I think like she she matched Bradley Cooper very well. Mm-hmm. Um, even took took over the show in some scenes. Uh, Tony Collette was very good as Xena. I really liked David Strathairn as as Pete, who kind of like gives. Uh, I I think Stan takes the book from him. It's where he shows him how to be a mentalist, like the different tricks and stuff like that. And I love how he kind of tells him, like, "Look, man, this stuff is dangerous. Like, you can really like affect people's lives." Like, um, I like the whole uh, side plot with um, uh, Felicia. Kimball and Judge Charles Kimball. So basically Mary, Mary Steenberg's character and uh, Peter McNeil. And I like how he kind of like tries to tell them like um, he lies to them and says, hey, your son, he he, uh, he he can't wait to be reunited with you. Yeah, he's waiting for you. You know, right. And then they showed a scene where she, you know, shoots her husband and shoots herself. When that came on screen, I was like, whoa, like that was that was intense. And um, I, it's like it's like part of me saw it coming, but then part of me was like, "Wow!" Because it's so blunt and in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it kind of like comes the- out of nowhere too, because it cuts yeah. away from uh, when he's with Ezra and kind of about to trick him into thinking that uh, he's seeing his you know lost wife who passed mm-hmm. away uh, due to circumstances he caused. And so he's about to trick him and then it cuts away and shows us, you know, how his actions have literally led to the death of these two other people, believing that mm-hmm. everything he said was true to them and they're now going to be reunited with their son. Yeah. Um, I got to say the one person that didn't sell me on his film and I, and I usually do like her, Rooney Mara, dog. She didn't uh, sell me. Oh, as Molly? Yeah. I thought she was fine, but I, I don't think of anything that was like standout with her performance. She was fine, but it felt like she was kind of like like there. Like yeah. I felt like Molly was kind of there. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like the, the film didn't give her like room to breathe or room to do anything with the character. Uh, for her being like the love interest for Stan, that he literally yeah. stole from the carnival to kind of go with him on this adventure. Uh, right. She she did seem like very minimal in the plot yeah yeah for sure um i like this film it is a little too long i feel like some of it could be trimmed i feel like it is uh well made well directed uh i give this a 3.5 uh this one i had to give a four uh i really like this the style of everything just fits with uh guillermo del toro's you know aesthetic when it comes to like his movies where everything is kind of grungy and a little bit uh, scary to kind of mm-hmm. look at uh, the carnival scenes were all great I love seeing like Stan's kind of rise and fall the way that it ended was like a perfect kind of you know bow on the movie yep uh, you know as we said Richard Jenkins as Ezra is basically this threatening billionaire well millionaire uh, mm-hmm. who can make anything happen to the point that he believes that his money can make him get the chance to talk to his dead wife. Right. So it's absolutely, I I love how this movie kind of twists and turns around to the point that you really have to be paying attention because if you blink, you'll miss something. I like how the, the relationship between Grendel 
and Stan. Like Grindel is a man that believes money can buy anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stan is a man that would do anything for money. Right. And I, I love how they're like perfect foils to each other in, 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 as far as like their drive, the reasons behind their actions and, and what in and, uh, and what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You think you think best picture worthy? Um, Great movie, but I don't think best picture worthy. OK, so I think when we talk about these last three here, I. Uh, is that it for the ones we haven't talked about before? Yeah, that's it for the ones that we have yet to talk about. So all that we have left is the three that we have talked about and have dedicated episodes for, with that being Don't Look Up, Dune, and Licorice Pizza. All right, let's get the obvious one out the way. So I think we should talk about each of them as like like, like best picture worthy or whatever they got their nominations for. So with Don't Look Up, man, what do you, what do you think? Like, it... it what, what do you think about this, man? If this one wins, that means that Adam McKay has much larger pocketbooks than I thought he did. Uh, <laughs> there's I... This has a great cast. I personally like this movie. I liked it a lot. And I'm still split on it, man. I know I... that uh, I, I still personally think it's a good movie. I, I really liked it. I thought the cast was good. I liked the story. I love like the kind of poking at politics and everything like that. I thought it was a great overall comedy or political comedy. Of, okay. What do you think about the screenplay though? For the screenplay. Best original screenplay. It It's good, but I wouldn't put it as best original screenplay. Mm. Now what we got, what we got up here for best original screenplay. So we got Belfast. We got don't look up. We got King Richard. We got licorice pizza and the worst person in the world. I haven't seen Worst Person yet. I've heard about it. Um, Licorice Pizza has some good writing to it. I feel like that was a good little story. A little creepy, but good story. We'll talk about it. Uh, yeah. King, King Richard was a very well done bi- uh, biopic. Uh, very well written. Belfast was a pretty nice childhood story. Um, I think screenplay, I haven't seen Worst Person, but I think it's anybody's game with that one. Uh, personally, I would think licorice pizza. If I were to like pick out of those choices, I think licorice pizza is the best of those because it does have a very original story. Uh, it's not a story that makes you feel good at the end of it. You kind of feel a little bit dirty after you finish watching it. Uh, a little icky. Yeah, you, you don't feel right with it. But it is a very good screenplay. It is a very good original story and one that mm. kind of does kind of take you on this journey that isn't told in this kind of way. Okay. Yeah, I can understand that for sure. Uh, Dune, or as they're saying it, Dune part one. We think, man, I think this is, uh, I, I, I'm not mad at the best picture. Nah, this was a very, they really filmed. <laughs> some people give me crap for this. They filmed the unfilmable. Dune is not an easy novel to, uh, to adapt. Right. Which is why it was split into two parts in the first place. So they could actually give it the right amount of time, uh, well, not knowing they would have a part two, they still kind of split the story in half, knowing that in order for this to actually work, you have to give it time to breathe. Right. And, dude, I was so happy when I found out there was going to be a part two. I think you were the one that told me. Yeah, um, they kind of announced it like just a couple days after it came out in theaters. They were like, uh, you know, this is part one. And I believe that the movie even ends saying, you know, Dune part one. 
well, you know, of course they can end it that way, but you know, yeah, Warner Brothers is the final one to say. Right, but they right, did sure. confirm there was a part two coming. Right, right. Yeah, I was happy when I found that out, man, because like Blade Runner 2049, because uh, I, I, I love that movie so much. Um, I was like, man, this movie was so good, but it didn't do well in theaters. I, I was worried about Dune, but Dune did well. It you did know. very well, especially because it also launched simultaneously on HBO Max. Yeah. So I, I was surprised by that. Like, I was surprised even with it being on HBO Max, it still made money. Right. Which is impressive yeah. because typically when something goes to streaming services like right away like that, you would think that that would hurt its ticket sales. But I think with Dune being such a massive movie people were like, I need to see this on a big screen. I can't just watch this on, you know, my 32 inch TV in my bedroom. This is something I got to actually go to a theater and enjoy. Okay. So best picture, you you think it has a good chance? Uh, so in terms of best picture, this one actually surprised me that it got nominated at all. It's a great movie and everything, but just doesn't seem to fit in line with what the Oscars typically put into best picture. Like Fury Road. You, right. and I, you and I both know Fury Road kind of was the best picture of that year. Right. We but, didn't think it would be nominated. Yeah, when it got nominated, it's like, oh, they saw that movie. Right. You know, that, they that's my movie. I like that movie. Right. Yeah. So I think Dune is like this year's version of that movie where it, it's great. If it got best picture, I wouldn't be upset at all. You know, I think it fully yeah. deserves it. The casting is great. The timing on it is great. We've we've gone through all this. This is a really great adaptation of Dune, and I'm wholly excited to see part two. Yeah, I don't know if it's got a shot though, man. I'm I, I'm thinking. I don't I'm thinking think about it does. Because everyone loves Coda. You love Coda. You gave it a five. I do. Uh, yeah. Drive my car is a good contender. That that's a very good drama. Um, a very well done drama too. I don't know if it has a chance, man. Yeah, I don't. It, the fact that he even got the nomination, I think, is like a huge deal in of itself mm-hmm. already. So if it doesn't win, which I don't think it will, um, it, it still absolutely deserves that nomination place. So, and it's one of those movies that actually, like, you're surprised to hear it gets nominated because it so well deserves it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't Dude, fall think... in line with the other movies. Like we said, West Side Story is like the shoe-in Oscar nomination. Dune is the exact opposite of that. Dude, I think even when you look at a Best Adapted Screenplay, like, again, I still think it has this uh, work cut out for it as you, um, you still got it going against Coda, uh, which had a very good screenplay. Got it going against Drive My Car. Good screenplay. Lost Daughter. That was a good screenplay. Power of the Dog. Dune has his work cut out for it. Now, what else is it going up for? Because I know it has to be going up for visual effects. Now, uh, it, yeah. Soundtrack is one of them, too. I know that. Visual effects and cinematography. I just, I, I, I think there's just no doubt in my mind. Like, like oh, it's visual effects. Yeah. Visual effects for sure. Uh, cinematography. Who's it going up against? Power of the Dog. Cinematography was cool. Uh, um, I think Nightmare Alley is the only one that cinematography that it would, you know, get oh, beat out by. It won cinematography. I oh, see did it right it win? here. Oh. Yeah, it's showing in real time. Dune won. All right. Well, like I said, 
So Dune looks really good, and apparently the Oscars agree with that. (laughs) Yeah, it looks very good. Um, Let me see if it got... uh... Okay, they didn't do visual effects yet, but I see it went in visual effects. I think No Way Home... Nah, even over No Way Home, like... uh, And and Shang-Chi. Wow, two Marvel films in visual effects category? Really? Yeah. Um... They got... They got No Way Home, Shang-Chi, uh, uh, Oh, no Free time Guy and No Time to Die. Yeah, Dune's got this one in the bag. I don't... <laughs> like, Shang-Chi had some really good visual effects and everything like that, but I, I think Dune's above that one, and Shang-Chi would be the next runner-up, I think. Uh, free is- Guy, eh, okay. No Time to Die, eh, okay. That's Spider-Man, No Way Home, it... I enjoyed the movie, but visual effects isn't something that I would say is the best part of that movie. Dude, Dennis V as a director just hits different, man. He, it, it's like Christopher Nolan. He just hits different. You know, there's there's no one like him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. So want to move on? Uh, All right. I, that, last, I think that's it. No, last but not least, Licorice Pizza. Oh, yeah. We still have to... So this one for best picture, um, no way. There's just, I don't, I, see, it. I don't see it at all. It's it, like we said, it, it's a good movie. Uh, I'd love the screenplay. I want to see it win for original screenplay. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't see it winning for best picture. Now, best director. We got PTA against Kenneth Branagh, which you know, Belfast was well-directed. Yeah. Uh, Jane Campion did a great job with Power of the Dog. Spielberg, great job of West Side Story. Uh, Ryusuke Hamaguchi, who did uh, Drive My Car. I would take Drive My Car for best story. I wouldn't go for best. There were some well-directed scenes, but uh, I, I I like Drive My Car for the story more than the directing. Yeah, I wouldn't put that one as best director. Um Honestly, I want this one to come out of left field and them to just announce that, you know, Lin-Manuel for Tick, Tick, Boom. Even though he wasn't nominated, he wins, you know, because if we're going based <laughs> on this, I think Steven Spielberg is the most likely to get I mean, it for West, West Side, Side Story. Story was well directed. It though. was very well directed. It was well directed. Uh, so it's not a bad choice. Yeah, it's not a bad choice. I think that is the most likely candidate for it. Uh, personally, I would like to see it go to Jane Campion for Power of the Dog. Mm. Jane did a Jane did a great job too. I, I think um, out of these, that's my personal pick. I gotta say, I don't know between PTA and Jane Campion. PTA, you know, PTA is my guy. Right, uh, that's my favorite director. So I, I want to be fair. I my personal pick would be between. PTA, I, I gotta pick one. You, you gotta pick one. I'm gonna go with Steven, man. He did a great job with West Side Story. Okay. I mean, he he did a great job with it. Like, uh, I gotta go with Steven. Jane is a very, 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 very close option. Like, she's right in Spielberg's behind. Mm-hmm. And then right behind her is PTA. But uh I wouldn't be I, I wouldn't be mad if Jane won. But Spielberg, he he did his thing. I, I think Spielberg is the shoe-in, but personally, I think Jane is the one that deserves it. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. You know, like, if, if Jane wins, 
I'm going to be shocked. Um, more because they didn't pick Steven Spielberg and not so much because I don't think she deserves it because I absolutely think, you know, oh, no. but uh, with Steven I'll, Spielberg, if they don't pick him, I am going to absolutely be shocked. I'll be shocked if they pick Kenneth Branagh for Belfast. I'm like, uh, that movie won something? <laughs> like, like, I, like, I understand nominating it, but it, it, it won? Yeah. Um, what else was that one nominated for? What if that one gets Best Director and Best Picture? What would you do? <laughs> I can't see. Nah, I, can't, I honestly cannot see Best Picture. I can't see that because... If you're if you're just picking the baiting choice, ain't no way that's getting best picture of a West Side Story. Ain't no way. That's Spielberg, dog. Yeah, true. There ain't no way. Um, now, if West Side Story wasn't involved, then I could see it. But come on, man, you got a Spielberg musical. Like, ain't no way if you're gonna make a baiting choice, you're picking Belfast. I mean, they could Belfast. accidentally announce it as a best picture, and it just <laughs> not be. <laughs> Like they did that one year. Like, uh, what did they say? Uh, oh, La La Land won. Yeah, La La oh, wait, Land wait, wait, over no. uh, Moonlight. Wait, no, it, uh, Moonlight. You, yeah. you guys won. <laughs> Sorry about that. How, we gave him the wrong you, card. How did you mess that up? I don't did know. You? How do you even have that card made that says La La Land on it? Like it has it clear on the thing. Yeah. Of of what won? How did you mess that up? Um. Yeah, man. I'm a. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what goes down tonight. We'll talk about it on the next episode uh, if our predictions came right. Uh, some of them, I think they will. Uh, best picture, I, I, I'm willing to be surprised by it, but uh, I, I, I really want Coda to win. If West Side Story wins, we know it was bait. Uh, yeah. If Coda wins, we know. Okay, honest voting. Uh, I, I also think it's honest voting if Drive My Car wins, to be honest. Uh, if Licorice Pizza wins, I'm going to cock my head to the side a little bit like a confused dog. Yeah, I might be believe like, that there's more pedophiles in uh, Hollywood. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm going to be like, <laughs> you know, because listen, this is a PTA fan talking. I'm going to be right. cocking my head like, really? Yeah. That one? Um, I don't see Power of the Dog, maybe. Maybe. Uh don't look up. I'm flipping over my computer desk, man. <laughs> I'm 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 waking up in the morning. We're we're never just, doing an Oscars episode again if Don't Look Up wins because at that point our opinion doesn't matter. We're just wrong with society. I'm not gonna say uh Adam McKay got deep pockets to pay for them. I'm gonna say Netflix has deep pockets to pay for them to win Best Picture. Oh, if, that's if true. That would be Netflix putting that money up so they could be like, Look, we have the best picture. I can see Adam saying, hey, I, I didn't pay for it. I didn't pay for it. <sighs> All right, y'all. We will catch you on the next one. This has been a great episode of Double Feature Versus. Uh, y'all take care.